Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This is number 39 with Mark Jane, the CEO of Intellects Technologies, a worldwide leader in employee health and safety and quality web-based management systems. In our conversation, Mark shares his story of being only 21 years old, driving to Toronto from San Diego to work at a small software company, being employee number six to do some business developments. He talks about landing the first $50,000 contract, discusses the challenges scaling the company to 100, 250, and now 600 employee company, and why he believes that building a culture of work to live is so important to him and his employees. Before getting started, I'd like to thank my media partners, IT World Canada and Startup Canada for the support of the podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Mark. Thanks very much for having me. So, Mark, thank you for your time. Can we just get started with you? Can you introduce something about yourself? What you like to do when you're not growing and leading businesses? Uh, my name is Mark Jane. I'm CEO of Intellects. Uh, what do I do when I'm not growing and leading businesses? I'm just like like a, a normal person. I've got a I've got a four year old son. I've got a wonderful wife. Uh, we enjoy spending time together. First and foremost, uh, we. Uh, we do activities like golfing and skiing and and uh, traveling and you know we enjoy having a beer together and and going to kids things together. Um, but uh, my life is about the same as everybody else's life, um, and try to keep it that way as much as possible. Let's start off with Intellects. For those who don't know who Intellects is, tell us your current role, your responsibilities, and what what you're trying to accomplish over the next twelve months. So we've got a great uh, opportunity here at Intellects. The company's growing quite quickly. We make uh, software for organizations for social responsibility. So we focus on environmental safety and quality management. We basically help companies uh, reduce their negative impact and, and, and create a more positive environment for their stakeholders and their employees and their customers. So the company's uh, around 450-ish employees today. Uh, over the next six, 12 to 18 months, we'll grow another 200 employees. Uh, we want to continue to grow at a uh, greater than 40% growth rate. Um, and we, we're, we're building a category in the space. Um, you know, environment safety quality has been something that big, de- big dirty industries have been focused on, you know, mining, oil and gas, energy utilities. Um, but this is something now that is important to every business. Every business in the world has stakeholders and con- consumers and customers that demand good uh, corporate responsibility. And so we're now finding retail, banking, uh, food and beverage, every industry in the world is very interested in our product line. And that's allowing us to build a category, the EHSQ software space, which is uh, that's that's what we're very intent on building. I love that it's a social responsible product or a platform that you're building out there and i'm sure we could probably kill it about talking about how it helps and and maybe you could give us the the, the quick rundown on how that helps because that that's very interesting in the world today in terms of trying trying to understand that yeah i mean it's really 
it's something it, it actually surprises me that it doesn't get more recognition than it should and we all hear about the environment we all see you know hurricane harvey and hurricane irma and forest fires and you know what we're doing to our planet it it actually surprises me that people don't take more note of what is massively changing in our planet and i know there's some controversy in some circles about climate change is it human caused or not um i think the science is is done on that if you actually look into it we're clearly making this massive impact and um so that's in the environment space and and intellects develop systems to help organizations engage their employees and engage their workforce on processes and activities and assets that will be more environmentally conscious and reduce risk. Um, and that overlaps very closely with public safety and workplace safety and keeping employees safe. And so in the U.S., three out of every hundred employees will lose work time because of injuries. Wow. And there's literally hundreds of billions and depending on how you do the math trillions of dollars spent each year on uh, workplace safety and its impact and so if you imagine you have 100 people in the room three of them will get injured they could lose a finger lose an arm or god forbid have a fatality and that's a really really important issue and so again as with environment uh, we help companies mobilize their entire um, workforce engage their staff in understanding safe work work practices understanding uh, observations of unsafe behavior reporting those and continually improving to um, to make make their their companies more successful uh, through having better social responsibility and environmental environmental health and safety and product quality and to uh, have better operations basically yeah and it was something that you and I talked about right before we press press record um, with regards to intellects and maybe the products and the services you're doing why, why doesn't it get a lot of press in terms of it like sit, sitting in your office uh, what, what keeps you at night and why, why, why aren't we getting that uh, that coverage yeah so it's it's something I've scratched my head about for a long time um, you know, I'm not sure if all the list listeners are in Toronto and Canada, global, uh, North America. You know, if, if we made, uh, there's some cool apps out there like Snapchat or Facebook and things like that that people get really excited about because we can, I won't use the word play, but use them on our phones. Um, but everybody should be passionate for me about creating a better future for our children and, and for, for, our, for our world, um, but doesn't get nearly the same excitement. And I, and I think part of that is because it's, B2B um, solutions and, you know, our customers tend to be within enterprises rather than people, you know, c general consumers. Um, it tends to be, at least in our ecosystem here in Toronto, not as sexy as, as other companies um, from a, hey, this is, you know, this is uh, hard work to uh, secure these customers, implement software, roll out, roll out solutions that, that touch literally hundreds of thousands of employees within one organi organization. Our largest uh, customer has 700,000 users. Uh, we have many, many customers that have 400,000 users, 100,000 users. Wow. Deploying that many people on a single solution—that's that's a lot of hard work. It's you know it's it's a uh, it's a big kid job, and it may not be as exciting. And and to be honest, I've obviously am biased uh, and have some self interest, so sure. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll asterisk it with that. But it's also a little bit dis disappointing to me that we, particularly in Canada, who like to think of ourselves as very socially conscious and very conscious of of uh, the goodwill of those around us. 
uh, don't um, gravitate more towards solution providers, not just intellects, but others um, that are really trying to provide solutions that, that further the well-being of our planet and our society. And, and so that's what intellects is all about. And, and internally here, it's great because our employees and, and all of us can, can embrace that as a very worthy mission and something that we can all wake up every morning excited to do. Um, and I hope that as the company scales, that, um, that, that, our whole ecosystem will will be excited about that as well. I want to really take it back because um, for me and the podcast, it's really for me, it really fascinates me to see some of the leaders' journey and how they got to where they are today. And when I looked at your profile, your LinkedIn profile, it looked like that you started your career at Intellects many years ago. I may not put the mm-hmm. year out there, but you started as, as a sales executive or, or on the sales floor and you escalated. You became executive vice president and currently, I guess, over probably over 10 years ago, you became president and CEO. Yeah. So I'd love to just for myself, really, and even for the listeners, if you could share, how did you do that? Like, Were there key turning points, some things that you did, like there's an aha moment that helped you elevate yourself within within the organization uh i guess there's a lot of aha no- moments i mean i'll say, i i started at intellects when i was 21 and it's 19 years ago so i'm 40 years old now and <laughs> it used to be that i was really young <laughs> and i'm not so young anymore um but and I, I it's you know my first real I worked at a, a dot com I'm actually from San Diego California and I worked for a dot com company there and at the time my mom was like hey why don't you you know go do something else besides what you're doing now go travel the world and my mom and my father had been involved with the original founder of Intellects and said well why don't you go up to this company in Toronto and I was like I don't know anything about Toronto yeah and I was like well that kind of sounds interesting I'll go for three months for an internship and um, learn to speak French I don't know anything <laughs> about Canada and so I literally drove up in my 86 Honda Prelude the 3,000 miles up here and um, I got I got to Canada and uh, I didn't know anything. So I moved to a place called Brampton. If anybody lives in the Toronto area listening to this, you'll know that Brampton is probably not the most uh, stimulating place for a 21 year old guy to move to. And so I, I came up here, I moved into, uh, I came to Intellects and at the time I think we had six employees, wow. um, but the company was really in, in dire straits. And, you know, within the first few months of me being here, it was down to three employees, the founder and CEO at the time, his niece and myself, and I came as a junior commissioned salesperson. So um, I actually at the time made $24,000 a year was my, my compensation. I brought my own computer from home. I literally, the company couldn't afford to give me a computer and I didn't have a computer at my house. So I literally had this old desktop and with a CRT monitor that wow. I disassemble every day and drive back and forth to my house. And so, you know, it's probably by default that I really had nothing else to do, but work hard for intellects. And I, I managed at the time we sold our software for like 500 bucks. This is back when it was like a PC software. I'd ship a disc out and FedEx somebody as a CD. I'd literally walk them through a demo on the phone by saying, click here, click there, click here. Um, and I was fortunate enough to sell some and, and I sold a couple of those units and, um, Realized, well, it's not expensive enough because I'm never going to make any money selling them no. at 500 bucks a pop. So I think we made them a thousand bucks a pop, and then we made them ten thousand bucks a pop, and and um, and then eventually I got really fortunate. And for those people who are kind of aspiring to build a company, um, was able to find a few customers, and one customer was the city of Scottsdale, Arizona, that really believed in the vision, believed in intellects, and and fortunately enough believed in in me, and so went to them and basically wrote 
an agreement for $50,000 to develop a web-based system from our PC product um, that we didn't have and had no existence of, um, but he would, they would give us $50,000 to build this thing. So we got the $50,000 and we built the product and, and the, the fellow, his name was Larry Person, was just a, an awesome man, um, actually brought me around to other municipalities, introduced me to those. I just called him Uncle Larry when I went down to nice. Phoenix. He'd let me stay at his house and um, borrow his car and stuff like that. <laughs> like I was 21 years old. And, um, and we used that $50,000 contract to build uh, our original web system. And, um, and at that time, so I was selling the software and... Well, we sold it, so I had to help kind of service the software and work with the customer, so I got exposure to the services side. And then we had some accounting and finance to do because we actually sold some software, so I got involved in invoicing and kind of understanding finances. And then we had more and more product needs because I'd be talking to customers to understand the product, so I got more involved with the product management. And then we needed more people, and we started hiring more people, and I'd kind of take the initiative and lead on that. Um, and so we kind of grew, grew the company from there and, and, and managed to continue that growth. And so I think the sh- that was a really long answer to say no, I love it. that I probably got the job by default because uh, nobody else was there um, to take it. But there's a lesson to be learned for people, particularly operational people, that sometimes the best way of getting to the top, and I hate to say it that way, but sometimes the best way to grow in your career is not to try to climb a ladder but it's to build the ladder under you or build the scope within, within your current responsibilities. And so that's essentially what I did. Whereas, you know, I didn't move up the ladder in any, any sense of the word, but I was able to make an impact with, um, with the help with some really talented people here in building an organization. And, and, um, and then the rest was history building intellects from there. I mean, it really sounds like you're not, you were the entrepreneur. I know you, you, you came to help join um, the founders and whatnot, but you were doing a lot of the the work that entrepreneurs would do. You were on the ground, you were hustling. And as you responsibly changed, and you mentioned you did the sales, you did the support, you did invoicing, you, you did the hiring. Yep. And, and then I, obviously your team grew. So I want to know, you know, your responsibilities changed. I want to know how you changed with it and how did you grow as a leader as well? Because doing these operational things is different than leading. It's so much different. And there's... There's, there's so many, I sometimes joke, my wife's a big Madonna fan. <laughs> um, and I sometimes joke that in my role, I've had to be like Madonna, which you have to change your genre every single year and change who you are almost every right. year to stay up to date with I trends. Because <laughs> um, I like going from being, you know, in a three person company to even just having a 10 person company, it's, it's very, very different. And going from a 10 person company to like, even a 30 person company is very, very different. And then you get to like, you know, there's also, there's tons of changes in between, but you get to a hundred person company is quite different. And then a 200, at 250 employees, things change. So I knew every single employee's name up to 250 employees. Wow. I used to interview every single employee before by a time up to about 250 employees. And then we got to like 251. It broke. It broke. And I actually <laughs> reverted back to like knowing 150 employees' names because I'd get nervous. I didn't know somebody's name. And so I'd just not say the name at all because I'd rather not say it than get it wrong. But, and then you get to, from 250 employees to now 450 and we should be, um, 600 in 12 months and hopefully get into a thousand in the next three years. Man, you change so, so much. And, um, you go from being the person that is doing like the sales demos, the brochures, the, 
everything um, to being a team. You kind of go through your ugly teen years a little bit where it's, you know, hard to recruit great people, but you need great people and you kind of limp your way through that. Um, to me, the biggest growth has been to detach, if you will, and, mm. and work work in partnership with people and try to build their ability to do things rather than um, taking the ball and running it with it on your own. And, and what I observe from entrepreneurs in our ecosystem is that's generally, I think the hardest challenge is there's a very different, there's a very big difference between a founder CEO. And I mean, I'm, I, I wasn't the founder of intellects, but I'm kind of the founder in a way of intellects 2.0 of what it is today. Sure. The, the company was actually founded in 1992. So it, wow. it had 10 years of, um, not success um, prior to our successful, you know, last almost 20 years. Um, but being a founder type CEO, you tend to be involved in everything and you tend to want to, you know, see how everything could be better and you, you want to get involved and making the switch to trusting those operational executives around you to execute and focusing on, you know, building a great culture, building a great company, vision, strategy, customer facing, um, that's, that's an evolution that's, uh, been challenging for me. And it's challenging. Like I sometimes, sorry, I'm rambling on here, but I, I sometimes use the metaphor with the executive team of like, you know, intellects is my 16 year old daughter that just got her driver's license. Right. I've given her the keys and I'm standing at the end of the driveway, kind of watching her drive down and waving and being like <laughs> nervous as hell that she's going to run into the neighbor's mailbox. Um, but for some of the responsibilities in the company, you kind of have to give that responsibility up and trust. And then, then you find out, wow, that they're far better at it than, than I ever could be. And so a transition for me also was you have such a, um, uh, imposter syndrome growing up and I still have a massive imposter syndrome. Like you're like, Hey, this is, you know, everyday intellects is the biggest company I've ever been part of. And you are fortunate enough to recruit executives that run massive organizations. And you're like, what am I ever going to be able to contribute this person? Um, and trusting that, you know, working along those people and, and trusting that they can execute better than, than I ever could is, uh, was a major growth. So I kind of rambled on. No, that, it's but. great. I mean, you touch upon a number of things that, that, that I, I want to talk about. I mean, one, and I hear about this as well, especially from executives who, who started, you know, sort of doing everything and, and moving up. But one thing I want to touch upon was, was how you, you let go of that, that, that control and really started focusing on culture. And the reason why I'm bringing this is as I was waiting in your lobby here, I noticed, and I should have known this, and I do apologize, is that it seems year after year now, Intellects is winning like best place workplace from a number of different organizations that, that recognize this stuff. So is this something that you personally strive for? Is this something you're passionate about is ensuring that this is a place where people want to work? Absolutely. I, I care about it deeply um for for the first reason is the selfish reason that my life is so intertwined with intellects that i want to enjoy my life as much as everybody wants to enjoy their life and and having a place that you want to spend 60 plus hours a week um is accretive to the my lifestyle so i want to have a happy place um but along with that i really see the value to the company of people who are passionate and feel engaged and feel like they're in a place that they're happy and, and feel taken care of, um, has a massive indirect ROI on the success of the business. I mean, this, this company is full of people that really care about the success of the business, care about the mission of the company 
and they, that that takes it so much further. They 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 will work until we're successful, and and they expect to be successful. Um, there's all sorts of ways of talking about culture and what a good culture is. I actually, to be honest, I think that that the term culture and is is way overused in our space, and you know, it's not a and also this term's way overused, but I'll use it. It's not about ping pong tables and beer carts and that kind of stuff. Um, every every company's somewhat different. Uh, for us. I think authenticity and, you know, transparency and caring, um, caring about the success of the company, caring about each other's and each other and, and, and doing what's best for people is really important. The awards are awesome. I'm super flattered by those, sure. but that's, that's a, a, a result of it's a testament of what has been implemented, right? Yeah. And you know, it's really tough. One of the most challenging things is scaling a company with the expectations we have for our company while having a great culture or, or a great environment that, that people feel is accretive to their lifestyle, because those two things are oftentimes in conflict. You know, you want to scale the business and sometimes people that you really love and that you care about who are part of the company aren't additive to that. In, in fact, they, they could take away from that and you have to make tough decisions that, that disappoint people and, um, and vice versa is true as well. So, you know, going through the scaling process and building a company that is a culture of accountability and a performance culture, the expectation to ha- have high performing employees with a hi- high performing results, while also being an environment that cares about the, the human element of it, the humanity, the families, the people. You know, we talk about the four quadrants of life, which are uh, career and, and um, career and opportunity growth, uh, fitness and health, um, hobbies and interests and, and family and friends. And balancing those four things is difficult. And I think it's incumbent upon a company to, to help with those things. Uh, but it's really hard to balance that with a performance culture. And, and frankly, here at Intellects, there's been times where um, people have, have been less happy and times where people are more happy, but depending on which of those uh, areas of balance we're trying to strike. But it's a discussion I have a lot in terms of uh, a lot of the guests that I've had here. I mean, whether you can pinpoint where it changed and you were able to build that culture, like what was that secret sauce or, or did it come together as a result of everyone around the room? I think it comes absolutely as everyone around the room. And we've been really lucky in um, – We've got people here that carry the the culture of intellects. Uh, it, no one person could ever set that. Um, but I think it comes. I don't think you can fake. Honestly, I think a company culture is like the same as the way you treat your friends and family, and the way you treat treat your family and in, inside your home and that kind of stuff. I think being an authentic person that cares about um, people's well being is will translate to a company culture that cares about your 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 people's well being. So, you know, there was. Maybe 10 years ago or something, I, I, there was a year where we had lost maybe, we were probably 40, 50 employees at the time, and we maybe had 10 employees resign that year. Wow. And I think I sat down with a spreadsheet and sort of worked out the math on it, and I figured it cost us about a million bucks in direct and indirect costs. And I'm like, all right, well, if that's costing us a million bucks, what if I took 500000 of that and invested it in programs to you know engage them? our employees and, and make everybody passionate about the company. And so we do a lot of things from, you know, we do a lot of events here. We put a lot of like emphasis on, you know, annual meetings that are, are more than just pumping out numbers, but an engagement and, and pulling together the staff on the vision. Uh, we do, we have like, if you ever notice on our website, I think we've got 40 different clubs in the company ranging from like movie club to, you know, 
Scotch Drinkers Club to like uh, French Club to like every club, like Fridge Magnet Club. And we actually employ, er, we, we give every employee $20 a month. Plus they can bring a friend or a spouse or something and we'll pay them 20 bucks a month to just participate in the club. And it's an opportunity to bring people together and just kind of engage people. I think people who have strong working relationships with their peers inside a company will tend to build and care about the company. And I think a company that cares about that will, will be more successful. There's been tons of moments of, of cultural importance that have made us focus more and more on it. Um, but I think it's just sort of built into the DNA of everybody around here of how important it is to have a, a great working life. Um, and final, final point on that, we've got, we've got stated values that we're quite, um, you know, serious about. Uh, but one of those values is a uh, work to live and that we're all here because it's important to have your family, your friends, your life, your health, your fitness, your hobbies, your interests, and work should be accretive to that, not take away from that. And so um, we really try to make an intellect something that that hopefully builds every, people's total life, not just their their work and career life. It's one thing I'm pretty sure my wife would love to be in that fridge magnet club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many fridge magnets from everywhere. Well, she can come join. <laughs> oh my God, that's so great. I just wanted to talk a little bit about mentorship and business leadership. I know a lot of executives uh, will always say, I need someone around me. I'm not alone. I need, you know, I need to bounce things off. So I just want to put you on the spot. And are there any type of mentors or who, like, who do you turn to right now, whether personally or even whether it's books or podcasts, like, like, where do you go in terms of that? Um, it's changed a lot through the years. I've had different, different mentors and, and people that I've looked up to, um, you know, today I'd say my, my greatest mentors and, and people I look up to are the executive team and people within intellects. Okay. Um, we've got some great people around this company that I'm constantly trying to learn from and, and ask guidance and wisdom from. And I'm really fortunate about that. You know, and, and, and we've got some great board members that, that really helped me. Um, through the years, there's been people in our community. There's guys like, uh, there's actually a sort of um, a, a PeopleSoft mafia, if you will, of of people who graduated out of, of PeopleSoft that are here in Toronto. Um, so a guy named uh, Howard Gwynn, who's uh, a, a great mentor and guy I look up to, uh, Pete Smith, um, some, and there's a bunch of other people in that that group. A fellow by the name Derek Smith, who is a, a great uh, mentor and fellow that I looked up to, um, who. Uh, has been in our ecosystem. A lot of people listening would probably know Derek and I, we were so fortunate for having, have Derek joined us, um, a year ago. Um, but, uh, unfortunately passed away, uh, this past year. And, you know, beyond that, uh, there's, and I'm probably not mentioning a thousand people that would probably have helped me through the years, but there's, you know, there's been tons of people in the community that I've looked up to and, and, um, that have helped me out. And, um, also, you know, my wife is actually somebody that I look to for, for a lot of, uh, feedback and guidance and trying to keep me real and and that that sort of thing so yeah so i, I mean I, I, there's 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 been a thousand sources for that now one, one comment on, on the converse of that um is you know in toronto growing a company where we're at today there there's actually unfortunately limited examples for us to follow in canada and um, we were talking about this earlier, or earlier of, you know, our tech ecosystem is great and it's growing, it's flourishing, but it's, it's full of a lot of high potential companies. 
we don't have a lot, if any, you know, our, my goal for intellects is to be a billion dollar revenue company. Um, I can't think of a business, a, a tech scale up in, in Canada that has gotten to that level. Um, and so the number of people to look to in our ecosystem is, is limited. And that's a, a disadvantage, I think, for us here in, in Toronto. And, and for us, I'm super excited about our ecosystem and the potential in it. Um, but one of, one of our challenges, I think, is having the pedigree of mentorship from, from the community, but also the pedigree of operating executives who have gone through that path, who can then seed other companies like ours and help us, mm-hmm. help us through that. Um, we don't have a whole lot of places to look here in Toronto. Now there's, there's certainly some great companies like, you know, point click care and, and Shopify and, and many other great companies to look to. But, um, you know, we, we, we are somewhat challenged as far as uh, true scale up companies. And I, I wish there was a little more focus on that in Toronto. Um, uh, obviously, um, for, for personal reasons, but also, uh, because I think for us to be a true global player, uh, we need to have many different companies of multiple hundreds of millions in recurring revenue, if not multiple billions in recurring revenue. And then we can truly call ourselves a, a tech hub. Uh, until that time, I think we're a, a potential tech hub. No, exactly. And I want to just move that along because you sit, you sit on the board of Ace Tech Ontario. I mean, I think you're the chair. So I think from my understanding, this is an organization that's bringing a lot of these tech leaders together around the room. So first off, I want to know why, why you joined and what is it all about? Yeah, so Ace Tech is an organization that it's evolved through the years. When I joined probably seven, eight years ago, maybe even longer, um, it was a group of CEOs of tech companies. And we're, we continue to be that to this day. When I joined, I think we were maybe $5 million in revenue or something, quite a bit smaller than we are today. And I'd never met anybody in the ecosystem. I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm not like... I'll try to go to networking events, but I'm not, you know, Mr. Networker guy. Like I prefer to know people and be able to talk to those people and then hopefully meet people through them. But, and so I didn't know anybody. And, and I went to my first, uh, Ace Tech meeting and, and it's a round table. You sit with a group of peer CEOs and, and you discuss basically it's kind of like CEOs anonymous. You can kind of, <laughs> my name is Mark and I'm a CEO and you kind of share your battle stories and bounce ideas. And that was actually hugely impactful for, for me. Um, in learning and getting mentorship from the guys right. in, in, in my group. Um, and, uh, guys like David Nyland and, and Joel Lessum and, uh, man, a whole bunch of you guys that if anybody listens to this, I'll, I'll, I'll regret not bringing up your names. Um, but that was hugely meaningful to me. I learned a lot and I also got a, a ton of validation. And so I got, you know, I just always was a member and, and continued to be involved. And then somewhere along the line, David Nyland, who was chairman prior to me, said, hey, would you like to join the board? And I was all for it. And and eventually I became chairman. And, and the reason I do that is is um, because I think Ace Tech to me is all about scaling organizations and, and sharing with each other operational scaling, like the real meat of how do you build a company, you know, go-to-market strategy, product market fit, scaling a sales team, building out an engineering team, building out finance, all that kind of stuff and sharing those ideas. I think that's the real important stuff uh, when, when scaling a business. And, and Ace Tech allows people to learn that. And I, I really would love to see us in our ecosystems scale. And so Ace Tech's a mechanism for me to give back in that way and, and also take from, from the uh, ecosystem and learn from them. And you, and really in terms of the, the goals and 
that you're striving for as well, I think you could also push it through and really ask the other CEOs to to strive for yeah to be that billion dollar company. So yeah, so I'm I mean I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm a little crazy, but I, I really would love to build a billion dollar run rate company, and and I'd love for others to to do that too. Do it with you. Yeah, there's guys like there's guys there that you know we have little I guess mini competitions of of scaling the companies. Um, That's so cool. It is cool, <laughs> and and uh, and it's been awesome seeing these their their companies grow and them seeing intellects grow, and um, it's really a great a great ecosystem and environment, and it's focused on you know, scaling businesses rather than a lot of groups are kind of how do you raise financing and raising financing is important, but it's, it's a, a step in the process and, and it's not it's by no means the destination. Um, and I think really, you know, having an opportunity to, to focus on how to scale a business is, is really what's important. Of course. So change the gears a little, and this might be more back onto the culture, but Really love asking this to all the executives is if I were to ask any, any one of your teams, your colleagues, your peers, what's, what's the best leadership that Mark has? What do you think they would say? Uh, probably when I leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No one answered that one before. <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd like to think, you know, I, I'm not sure if anybody would say this. I think probably the thing that I'm, um, most helpful in is that I'm so passionate about making a successful company here. I'm so, you know, energized about it that, um, I would hope that, and I, I, I see nothing else in, in, you know, in, at intellects, but opportunity and, and excitement. And I hope that that resonates. I mean, you want to work with somebody and you want to be surrounded with people that care as much as you care, um, and I, and I'd like to think that quality of mine, um, at least, at least allows people to invest a hundred percent of themselves on the mission and know that they're not alone in doing that. Um, I think I've grown personally as a leader a lot, um, sure. and I've still got, a, got a lot, a lot of growing left to do. Um, but I, I think that hopefully people find me in, empowering to, and, and, um, while being directive and trying to set a pace that's as, as fast as, you know, that energizes people and, and makes people understand there's a fast cadence to the business. I'd like to think I, I create a, a culture of unifying an executive team and unifying a company. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully to some, some degree, a, a North star for us all to work towards, um, and, and, and empowering the group to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they probably, I don't know, they'd probably give you a totally no, different No, 100%. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll but never know, yeah. uh, but uh, I guess one thing you just just mentioned and what you were saying is that you'll never, you know, you're not there yet or you're always learning. And maybe maybe there's no answer to this at this point, but is there something currently that you're working on or you, you've identified, you know what, I need to work on this in terms of that will help my business grow or that will help my yeah. teams who are like, is there something that you're focused on? So actually interesting. So I, I actually do kind of know from the executive team, um, their feelings because I conducted or we conducted a 360 on me and I actually, um, I solicited their opinions on how anonymously use a third party on how, how I could do better, what I could learn from. And their opinions were consistent with what I, my opinion, um, which was my opportunities really for growth are to, empower more and trust more and, and extricate myself as much as possible from operational tactical execution. Um, which is always challenging for me because 
you know, like, like we use salesforce.com here, CRM. Um, and we've had it for maybe 10, 15 years or something. I mean, you were I, their first client. I, well, yeah, I mean, I bought Salesforce online sitting in my, you know, in my office at home at three in the morning on a Saturday night yeah. and set up the database and configured everything in there. And so you just kind of know it and you kind of like, oh, I feel like I know how to help on that and be like, no, 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 step away from the Salesforce. Let other people do that. And, you know, and there's, I've got 10,000 examples of that around the company. And so it's always challenging um, to do that. But that's something I think I'm getting better and better at. And, and honestly, like between me and you, sometimes it feels like I'm not working hard enough because right. you know i haven't spent three hours busting out a kick-ass you know spreadsheet or document or or you know powerpoint or plan or something i'm i'm sitting in meetings working through people and sometimes it feels like um, am i contributing here right but i'm contributing i think in the way that a ceo should of a company of scale and i'm kind of having to go through that that growth and learning um, and so I'm, I'm constantly working on that and it makes me super anxious because you give up <laughs> things that were your core competency of why you were good at your job and you have to divorce yourself from those things and become a good, good at doing a job that maybe you weren't doing as much anymore and you're kind of getting a new job. And, and that's been sort of a, a linear scaling of that transfer of, of operational to strategic um, over the years. And then the second thing is you can get very insular. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in, in the company and, and you can very easily spend all of your time doing nothing but meeting with people internally and, and um, you know, trying your best to satisfy internal stakeholders. And, and it's easy to lose sight of getting out of the building and talking to customers and prospects and, and working the working um, the market and the ecosystem. And so that's something that, um, you know, I've always done and, and, and being in a background of sales and operations here, I've always been very customer facing, um, but I always need to fight becoming too insular and making sure that I'm, you know, out in front of the customers and, and um, out in front of the market as much as I am in front of, uh, in front of our intellect stakeholder base. It's, it's the internal battle that you're, you're doing. It's constantly, and you're never where, you're never where you should be because you always need to be everywhere and you can't be everywhere. And you're always not doing as much as you would like for everybody. And so it's always, it's always a push and pull, but you can really do your best. Like you said, it's, it's, it was just the nature of where you came from. And, and being part of the building process. Yeah, totally. Mark, I'm, I'm having a blast. I'm really relaxed. This is great. But before we end, I'd love to get some of your final thoughts, observations, and, and ideally some type of re- actionable recommendations that you could give the listeners. Um, for whoever's listening, whether they're trying to be a business leader, trying to launch a, a SaaS product, anything that, that, that you could share today. Okay. Um, so if you're... I'll, I'll talk in two categories here. You know, if you're an entrepreneur starting up a business, uh, good on you and congr- congratulations. Good luck. <laughs> um, my advice there is it's about the journey, not the destination. You need to enjoy building it and the, and, and the process of building it. Um, because whatever time frame you have, double it for when you're going to be successful and probably double that again. There's going to be so many things that, distract you, bump you on the head, disappoint you. If you're not enjoying the process and if you're not having a, you know, a great life for you and your family and your friends, um, then you're not going to be able to last doing it because I'll tell you every milestone you hit, there's just a milestone right, right beyond it that you want to hit. And you need to continually enjoy that, that process and that thrill of the chase or else, um, you're just not going to be able to be successful at it. And by the way, it takes, it takes every 
ounce and bit of your soul and your energy and, and capabilities to build a company, um, there's, there's no doing it with, you know, one hand tied behind your back. It takes everything you have uh, to do that. And, um, you know, I encourage everybody to go through that process because it's one of the most uh, meaningful things that you can do in life. Um, but I also would say that it's not the only way to be successful. Um, and in our industry in tech, it's not the only way to be successful. And I think a little bit too much people in our society, we've kind of thought, well, you know, you graduate university, you should go found a company and be an entrepreneur and, and scale something. And that's how to be successful. Well, you know, I think there's too little importance placed on going into businesses and learning and having mentors around you and having people that you can learn the playbook from, learn how to act around um, and grow a phenomenal career building a company and then taking that on to parlay those roles into further and further, um, you know, power and money if, if, if that's what somebody's looking for. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to see more excitement from, you know, students graduating out of university um, to join organizations and be part of building the organizations that have some momentum rather than everybody trying to place their bets on their own unique square. Because um, ultimately, I think five years from now, like uh, speaking to the Toronto and I think probably a lot of the tech sector, we've got easily 5,000 startups in Toronto. And I hope we have $5,000 billion companies here in Toronto, but I, I'm thinking that that's probably not going to happen. Um, and the learning process, um, I think companies can be more successful if they've learned you know, what has been successful and being able to uh, impact that um, back when they eventually do found a company. And then finally, like that value at intellects about um, work to live. I think that, you know, I think one needs to have a well-rounded life and they need to provide a well-rounded life for those around them. And I think that's really why we do this. It's easy to lose sight of that while we all try to build great companies and, and, you know, gain customers and build, you know, hockey stick revenue growth. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, you know, the key to life is peace of mind and, and, um, and having, you know, those around you be happy and that'll make you happy. And, and, um, I would encourage people not to lose sight of that as they chase their dreams because ultimately that's, that's what's really important. Mark, that's great. To close, please tell us where we can find more information about you, intellects, or anything you'd, you'd want to share to the listeners today. Uh, yeah, you can find me. I mean, if you ever want to contact me, I'm just market intellects. Um, you can email me at market intellects, uh, and you'll find me. You could call intellects and, uh, just ask for Mark and they'll know who you're talking about. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm at Mark Jane on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm, um, generally about, and, and I, you know, I, I want to help companies, uh, as much as I can and, and people in our ecosystem as much as I can. So I welcome people to reach out. And, um, you know, uh, as far as everything else, I think that's probably just about all uh, I got. Um, we got it. And we'll definitely share everything on, on the episode website. But Mark, again, thank you for your time for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Great. Really appreciate it, Edwin. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to episode 39 of the Business Leadership Podcast with Mark Jane. That was awesome. There was so much insight from being a CEO slash founder and switching over the reins. It's so great to hear his ambitions of being a $1 billion company and how he's pushing others to do so in the Toronto ecosystem. To learn more about Mark, Intellects, and anything else we talked about, visit the episode webpage at thebusinessleadership.com slash 039. Thank you for all the messages. I love hearing from you and would love to get some of your feedback, insights, 
as we're reaching a milestone episode of number 50. I want to know how we can improve the show. Would love to get your thoughts or even who'd you like to hear from. With that, please send me a message on Twitter, Facebook, or directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you again. Until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.